It's the Euros Digest here on Football Digest. I'm Guy Clark. Welcome along. Delict for Czech Republic as Mateus's error helps send them through to the last day. Portugal unable to deal with hazardous Belgium. Meanwhile, today, France may well be out of the group, but yet to get out of first gear, they'll be looking to do so against Switzerland and Spain out to inflict pain on Scotland's conquerors, Croatia. To get into that, Bristol Live's sports editor, James Piercy and Michael Gannon from the Records Sports Desk. Guys, I hope you're both well. And James, I'll come to you first. I think we'll go in on the the Czech Republic-Netherlands game, first of all, because I suppose that was the shock of the day yesterday, Czech Republic running out 2-0 winners. Yeah, um, yeah, it was was a really sort of interesting tie. Um, I think everybody was quite excited to see the Dutch, given their sort of performances through the group and also the, the, the sort of the good things the Dutch can do and the bad things the Dutch can do. And we kind of saw more of the latter, unfortunately, yesterday um, in the way they kind of imploded. Um, I mean, look, the game did hinge on the on the red card. Um, if, if, if sort of Marlon goes through and scores, checks don't clear it, the lick doesn't have to handball it, blah, blah, blah. Maybe it's, you know, it's 1-0, one 1-0 nil, one nil to the Netherlands. It, it pans out in a different way, but you have to tip your hat raise a glass, all those kind of things to the Czechs because they did a number on them really um, in terms of their organisation, their commitment, um, the way they sort of suffocated the Dutch. They stopped the young playing in midfield as well. They were outstanding at the back. Hopefully we'll get to talk about Thomas Callas in a bit. Um, and it was it was a fantastic performance and they got, you know, they got a striker, Patrick Schick, I'm sure Michael is, Michael is well aware of, who can, uh, who's scoring goals and is, you know, is probably in the running for player of the tournament at the moment. Yeah, Michael, did you see it sort of that much as a shock, really? I mean, obviously, Czech Republic were, were in England and Scotland's group. As we say, Patrick Schick scored, obviously, those two goals at Hamden as well. But as much as they didn't show too much against England, Czech Republic, to me, they sort of do seem to be a well-set-up side and a side that are continuing to sort of churn out consistent level of performance. Yeah, let's not talk about Patrick Schick. I think I've <laughs> Our dreams for her, our nightmares for, for years to come after these uh, these fifty yarder at Hamden. Um, listen, I, I must admit, I'm, I'm slightly surprised at the Czech Republic. I mean, I thought they looked pretty good at times in the group, um, without really being that special. Um, I'm not surprised about about Holland. Um, I think um, there's something quite soothing about these kind of strange times we live in to see Holland kind of imploding at a major tournament. It's um, it's like a bit, a bit of normality for us, really. Um, I think I said before that there's an air of vulnerability about about Holland. Um, I'm not convinced that there's a, a great team spirit in there. Lot of, some guys, a lot of talent and all that stuff, but maybe guys like Memphis Depay, who world class player, but I mean, he got questionable attitude at times. I think as well, not a guy for the trenches, uh, unfortunately. Dillett, I mean, what is he doing? I mean, it's, that was that was the, 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 the game defining moment. Um, he, he does that. Um, a completely crazy decision to make. So I wasn't surprised about Holland. The Czechs, to me, look like a team who are they're like a really good mid to high ranking international side, and they've got seven or eight guys who run about all day and be organised and be structured, and they've got two or three guys that can impact a game. They're quite direct. They're good at set pieces, and they've got a guy who up front who can score goals. So that's what makes them a, a, a decent international team. That's all you really need that level to get to. A quarterfinals uh, at these kind of events, uh, or so I heard. I don't, I don't see many. Yeah. <laughs> um, from outside, but um, yeah, they're, they're a decent side that will cause problems to anyone. I think. 
Yeah, no, I, I sort of take your point. And as you say, they are constructed as a team to kind of operate well at this kind of level. James, for me, it sort of had flashbacks of watching the 2010 World Cup when Daniel Marlon went through. It was akin to Iron Robin against Spain and not being able to finish it off. And I suppose from that moment, as you say, you could kind of sense the game shift. What was it? I think 26 seconds later that uh, Czech Republic obviously saw... Oh, the lick got sent off and that sort of swung the, the balance into Czech Republic's way. But I think in that moment as well, where Marlon went through, Thomas Callas at the heart of the Czech Republic defence was probably tripped. That may well have been checked. And then he came up with the, the header for the assist for, for the opening goal. As you say, we'll talk about him. You, you obviously see him for the Bristol Live. And uh, yeah, he uh, he's a top defender, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, most people obviously know him through his slightly strange Chelsea career where he burst onto the scene, obviously that performance at Anfield with the Gerard slip and, and and all that for for the for the Liverpool lovers amongst us but you know he was obviously a massive talent at Chelsea there was a lot thought of him but he just went got into that Chelsea loan system where he just was at a different loan club every season kind of established himself as a real high level championship defender um you know got Fulham promoted got Middlesbrough promoted but didn't stay at those clubs um, and then obviously he's come to Bristol City i think the big the big sort of question mark over him at premier league level was perhaps his pace um, he's not particularly quick on the turn, um, but certainly Bristol City spent a lot of money with the 7.5 million club record fee. He, he was injured. So he had the, the season on loan where he's fantastic alongside Adam, Adam Webster, who's obviously gone on to, 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 to Brighton. And since then, they haven't been able to find a partner for him. Um, he, was, he was injured a lot in his first season after his permanent move. Last season, Alfie Mawson came in, got injured. Alas, that kind of a, a rotating cast of, uh, of centre-back partners. And although he had an OK season himself, pretty good ultimately, but Bristol City's defence was kind of all over the place. So it was, it was a tough season for him and a lot, a lot of fans kind of lost patience given his transfer fee, given his wages. Um, but as we've seen in the last couple of weeks, he's, 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 he's an outstanding centre-back and he's a real defender's defender as well. Um, you know, the headers, the blocks, absolutely loves a kind of throw his body in the line, the 18-yard box. People love seeing that. Um, and, and he's, a, and he's a, danger, a danger in the opposite box. And I think him and Saliska... You'd have to say they've been one of the best partnerships in terms of centre-backs at the tournament so far and over only in the quarterfinals. And we're kind of going to see that as it progresses through. But he's having a great competition. Puts Bristol sitting in an interesting place because he's still got two years on his contract. You think there's probably going to be a bit of interest. Um, I think Celtic were quite keen on him not not too long ago uh, before he went to Bristol City. I've been been for years Celtic, yeah. Celtic have been tracking him for probably three or four years, I think. Talking about him, um, it won't go away. That talk, yeah. So it's going to be an interesting one because you'd like to keep him, but at the same time, Nigel Pearson said he needs to bring the wage bill down. Perhaps he needs to sell to buy the players he wants to bring in at Ashton Gate. So it's going to be an interesting when he comes back. But from a Bristol City perspective, I think there's a lot of pride in kind of how he's playing because you know everyone knows he's a really good player. He's also a really, I have to say, sort of he's a really good bloke as well. Um, really nice guy to around the club, and you can. You kind of see how he would go into a group and kind of energise it and become part of it and all that sort of thing. So, yeah, it's, it's, great, it's great to see and I hope it continues. Yeah, we'd we'll love to obviously see what maybe does materialise with him. Last say then, Czech Republic through to the quarters, but Michael, your man Dumfries is going home. I know, I know. <laughs> back, to, back to Galloway. He's <laughs> <laughs> uh, a good tournament. He's looked apart. Um, we, we, we caught a glimpse of him against Scotland in the kind of warm-up matches and, um, beforehand, and he looked apart there as well. Um, there were a lot of people looking at him. He's, he's a good, he's a good tournament. Um, um, dangerous kind of attacking kind of fullback. Right I think he's been good. 
it's a shame for him, but the rest of his pals let him down, unfortunately. Yeah, he was trying to do absolutely everything yesterday, wasn't he? He had that goal line block. He almost got to sort of the, the opening one, but Van Aanholt got in his way to block that one as well as a sort of run right down the inside left channel. I'm not sure many right wing backs pop up there, but anyway, that, that's that. The other game then, the late game, Portugal nil, Belgium won. Torgan Hazard with the only goal in the game, James, which really sort of took a, a lot of time to kind of come to life. But Portugal in the end threw absolutely everything at it, but nothing would stick. Yeah, fantastic second half, wasn't it? After the, the first half kind of was like a little bit of a chess match, a little bit of a kind of tactical sort of sorting each other out. Portugal, despite all their attacking players, are kind of a naturally defensive team. And I think Belgium are at their best when they're attacking. Martinez has kind of got some more defensive organisation about how he sets teams up, which is probably a good thing. But naturally, they just look better when they're attacking. And it, 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 you kind of think from a Portugal point of view, maybe if they had given, I don't know it's easy to say now, but had they given it a bit more of a go, given sort of Belgium, they are a little bit slow and ponderous at the back sometimes. Um, and they weren't on it, certainly, after scoring, you know, they got the goal. But you'd have to say Portugal were the better team in the second half. I know they're throwing it. But once De Bruyne went off injured, they didn't have anyone really to give the ball to to make it stick. Um, you know, Hazard was doing some bits and pieces, winning some fouls, which was was kind of slowing Portuguese momentum down. Lukaku was doing sort of ninety percent of an outstanding job up front. You know, he was he was holding it up so well, but then it was just the final ball wasn't quite there, or he'd go on a really, you know, outright sort of Ronaldo nineties Ronaldo outrageous run, and then just didn't quite have the have the final um, and the final ball, the final shot. So. Portugal a little bit unfortunate, but you kind of think you know you don't. It's hard to have sympathy with them because you know it just wasn't it just wasn't there for them. The quality they didn't take their chances. Roy King was particularly scathing, which I thought was a little bit over the top. Um, but I think you know it's, it's Belgium are a really sort of good, interesting team. But if De Bruyne and the Hazard aren't fit for the next round, you do worry about them slightly, especially up against Italy. Yeah, you do wonder, don't you, Michael, at what cost that win's come for them. Kevin De Bruyne off at halftime, looked at a nasty ankle injury, picked up and Eden Hazard after watching his brother curl one in the, the top corner, sort of pulling up lame towards the end as well. They have got a deep squad, but maybe not as dynamic attacking options, maybe off the bench as the likes of Eden Hazard, albeit still not at his best. And Kevin De Bruyne, how do you replace him? Well, that's the thing. You talk about a deep squad, but you, you just don't replace those kinds of players. You can't because they are who they are. I mean, they're, they're, they're right at the top level of the game. I mean, De Bruyne, it's been a shame for him. He's been so unlucky, hasn't he, in, in recent months with injuries. And um, even the glimpse we've had of him, he's been brilliant. Um, so it's a major blow for them. The thing at Belgium, I noticed I mean, that this tournament, they have been, they've been playing a slightly different way, haven't they? They've been quite kind of um, cautious, very, very organised. Um, I'd like to think it's because I've got a Scottish coach Sean Maloney on there with, um, with Martinez maybe that's what it is he's only one Scott left in the tournament but uh, they've, been, they've been good I actually thought last night I, I know Portugal played well in the special second half but I thought it was a good tactical kind of control performance from Belgium at times I thought they were really well the shape of them looked brilliant um, the first half was one for the hipsters wasn't it it was like a kind of tactical battle like you, you touched on James it was like a kind of chess match but I, like, I quite enjoyed that as well watching Two sides that were kind of a wee bit cagey, but I think Belgium, I think they're in a bit of pressure out there, Belgium as well. This, this might be the last hurrah with this, this squad in terms of the, the kind of golden generation. But they've been given a pretty pretty raw deal with the draw. I mean, for some reason, the draw is way lopsided. I mean, you guys, I'm, I'm sure, are quite pleased that it's quite lopsided because if you get through 
against uh, against Germany. It's, uh, it's a clear road all the way to the final. No pressure. But the, the other half, I mean, I think Belgium are going to have to get past um, Italy and France and all this stuff. Um, it's it's a, a grueling part of the draw, which is physically demanding as well as as the tough games. So I don't I don't think Belgium have got it. And they're they're picking injuries now as well. I think it's going to be hard for them to go all the way because it's you have to get that mountain three, four times in a row. I think it's that's Portugal, Italy, France. You know, that's a difficult run of games. Uh, I think they struggle to physically get to the to where they want to be in this tournament. But it's a shame. It's a good side. Yeah, I think he, just to jump in, Mike, the, the the squad is massive. I think when everyone when the squads were kind of published, everyone looked at France and like, wow, what depth. England, England got good depth. I know it's a lot of inexperience there, but he looked at Belgium and he looked outside of the sort of the 12, 13, 14 players. You're like, what happens if? And now we're kind of seeing that. So we don't know, obviously, what De Bruyne and Hazard are going to be like for a Friday. Yeah, yeah. But especially at the back as well. Their defense average is about, about, about 48. And I think that that's a vulnerability that for these guys to keep going right the way through because they don't have a lot of support. The back, the, the kind of backs. The backup defenders are a bit a bit risky. I think they're not they're not of the same quality, so it's going to be tough for them. No, I think it says a lot that Thomas Marlon's still starting, as you said, probably about the age of fifty four now. But um, yeah, we'll have to see how Belgium go. And obviously, they play Italy in the quarterfinal, so that is going to be one sort of blockbuster game, certainly to to look forward to. But what of Portugal then, James? We said that they sort of really went for it the last half an hour. But to me and Renato Sanchez, they have the ultimate tournament player, don't they? Two in a row now, European Championships. He's turned it on. I know he won the, the league title in France with Lille, but we've not really heard a great deal from him in his club career. He, he might well be angling for another move. Yeah, it's a bit of a sort of a modern football fairy tale gone sour, but now sort of, you know, reignited because, you know, he had that really good breakout performance, string of performances at Euro 2016, got to move to Bayern. You thought at the time Bayern Munich did their classic, you know, buy a player before the hype had really kicked in properly and everyone's like, wow. And then it just didn't work out for him Bayern. And then obviously the move to the, the loan move to Swansea was a disaster for a number of reasons. Um, I think, uh, sorry, who's the Swansea coach at the time? Was um, Paul Clement. Paul Clement. Was, yeah, Paul Clement was saying that, you know, his, his, his confidence was just absolutely shot. Um, and I think it was a move too soon for him ultimately going to Bayern. And, He's kind of found his way to Lille, which is a seems like a really good club for him because they're obviously just just under the, a little bit under the radar in France. There's not that sort of pressure of focus on him so much. He doesn't have to be the main man. That, that he, he's kind of had that fall, so he's no longer the the bright talent coming through. And he's come into this tournament obviously confident. He just gives a bit of the extra to that Portugal team in terms of his ability to run with the ball, break the lines on the dribble because Portugal can be a little bit ponderous in possession sometimes. Um, and he's going to be, you know, hopefully he's going to be, he's going to be there with with a lot of these, you know, the the, the young players, Jao Felix, obviously, um, you know, they have got some wonderful young player, Ruben Diaz. They're, they'll be fine, Portugal. They're going to be fine. Um, I think this kind of tournament, where they're kind of a little bit in between teams. Um, I'm sure we're going to talk about Ronaldo in a bit, but his sort of legacy still lingers over this team. And I do sort of feel they almost need to break with that a little bit. And there needs to be a kind of this is Portugal now. I know Ronaldo wants his goal, doesn't he, to get to the to get to Ali Dyer's or overtake Ali Dyer? But they just it sort of feels they need to break. And you do wonder about the coach if if I understand that he's the right guy to get the best out of all the, all these kind of attacking pieces. Um, but you know, time will tell. But I think Portugal will be a fine. They just kind of just didn't get it quite right last night. 
Yeah, most definitely. Renato Sanchez only sort of turned 24 in August, so he's still plenty of time to go, hasn't he? Michael, what's your view on Ronaldo? Because we spoke about him yesterday and sort of saying that you, you can't criticise one of the greatest players who's ever been, but it does kind of feel sometimes the dynamic of things. He can, I know it sounds bizarre, get in the way. I, I, and, and maybe even with the free kicks yesterday, he was making it all about him as per usual. I think it's, what, 53 tournament set pieces now or free kicks he, he scored one it, it's a wee hint of the kind of um, Roberto Carlos thing that he, he scored one amazing free kick yeah. and try it every time since and then <laughs> and meanwhile Rose is getting peppered in the, in the background um, but he's, he's Ronaldo he's, I mean, he, is, he is such a, a, an imposing all-encompassing character that he does engulf all those around him doesn't he um, and he's, he's he presents that team I think it, I think it can. I think you're right. I think it can hinder them slightly, but he's still got amazing attributes. So at 36, um, he's and he also does. I mean, you saw it in the, the last Euros. He does inspire those around him as well, and it, and it tries to raise them to his kind of level. And it, it does when it works. It works when it when it like, like games like like last night when they're chasing and he's trying too much and it like, it can backfire sometimes because he wants to be the hero. Wants to be the guy. And listen, I, I, I don't think he's doing it purely for selfish reasons as well I know it, but I think he is um, he does take a lot of pride in his, his team and his national side and all that stuff I think he wants to be the guy for them maybe for a wee bit of selfish reasons but uh, that's fair play to him um, and I don't think you can say Portugal are better off without him you can't because it's Ronaldo and he's still a game changer at any moment in time um, where, where they go from here I mean what is he 36 I mean, I think I can still see him. I can still see him demanding to be part of things um, for another few years to go. I think he'll still go. I think he still looks in great shape. Um, he's almost superhuman the way the way um, his fitness is. So I think he's still got a bit left in the tank. Whether he changes his game, I don't know. But um, I think he'll still be still that character. I think he refused to go away. I think I think we need to pick him to his about forty-five. I think he'll still be he'll still be demanding to be the balls demanding to play. I was gonna say the thing that strikes me watching him these days is very much a poacher in the box. Is you see the tricky Portuguese wingers of all generations kind of going down the, the line and not getting the ball to him and him having a sulk in the middle. And you just think, well, 2004 Ronaldo with all those stepovers and delaying the crosses, what would he have made of himself out in those wide areas? But I suppose that's one for another day. On to today's action then, and we've got obviously a couple more games to to look at today. Croatia against Spain first up, James. And I suppose the big talking point around Spain is, was that 5-0 against Slovakia almost just a, a, a fluke result for them, one that sort of came from nowhere? And will Alvaro Morata be continued to, to lead the line or will Ferran Torres now maybe be the man? Yeah, um, I mean, tonight is a real kind of midfield best you know if you if you love a sort of a technical midfielder you're going to want to watch the game tonight um i think the thing with spain and uh, lots of people touched on this i think you, you look at you look at kind of what they're doing and i think there's a lot of good things in terms of, i mean they just they just play how spain expect to play but you know they keep the ball fantastically but they're just missing that kind of extra layer of individual quality that that, that 10 years ago xavi iniesta torres at his peak were kind of providing um, David Villa as well. Um, Jordi Alba is obviously not the same player he was. He's had to, you know, just he's, he's not that sort of like 
Duracell bunny down the left flank anymore. Um, and they haven't really got a player. I mean, I think it's huge that Busquets has come back in because he he kind of is the he's he's the main man now really in that team, which perhaps also says a lot about the Spain team where Busquets is their main man because obviously he's stopping them like losing games rather than winning them games. And it needs Morata to stop to to really come out of himself and and like because he's a good player with a really good record. A very good CV, but it's almost like his his lack of self belief in himself is, is just crippling. I mean, I, I had Rob Green on the radio the other day where he was saying at Chelsea, you know, he'd stay behind for shooting sessions on his own to try and get his confidence up, and you watch him and he'd be pinging him wide, just doing himself in. And he said, like, he was a player, like everyone just wanted to put their arm around him all the time because he was just his confidence levels were so low. When he's good, he's great, but it's it's getting him to that point and. It's hard sometimes with a player, you know, like that from when it's so sort of mental and it, it might happen, but the Spain need it to happen. I think Fer- Ferran Torres is a, you know, fantastic talent. Um, but is it, is it, is, is he the one really to sort of take a game on, on himself? I'm not quite sure, especially against a team like Croatia. I mean, yes, they are a little bit creaking at the back. So there may, there may be, there may be something in it for him in terms of his sort of mobility. Um, but I, I, yeah, it needs it needs Morata to kind of do. It. If, if Morata gives an eight or nine out of ten performance, Spain are probably in business. Yeah, I don't want to press you too much on Croatia, Michael, because I imagine it's all still sore. But in terms of Ferran Torres, Man City have had this supposed bid for Harry Kane going and be turned down. Reports today they're even looking at Antoine Griezmann. But Ferran Torres has played through the middle for them. I just wonder if he maybe comes in, replaces Alvaro Morata, if Pep Guardiola will sit up and think actually this guy can be converted into a sense forward. We've seen it with people like Thierry Henry, I suppose, in the past, converted from being a winger into to a goal-scoring forward. Yeah, I don't think it's that straightforward right enough. They, they, they can just... Um, I know the modern game, that the kind of um, false nines and, and kind of um, interlinking front lines and all that, so it changes things. But I think, he is a, I think he is more of a winger. I think he likes to beat a man, doesn't he? Face the goal. Um, so it's a, it's a different kind of role. I mean, he's a completely different kind of character to like a Harry Kane, that's for sure. Um, but he's, he's obviously he's only what 20, 21 as well he's still he's still young um, so there's a lot of development still to have done with him so I think they could they could play there uh, but see I like him I like him kind of wider areas I think he's, he's good out there uh, anytime I've seen him I think he looks he looks quite good um, but I think he, that, that to me looks like a story the guy needs to be taken out to me but I think there's talk this morning about his, his family getting abused and all that stuff and getting death threats and things like that the, 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 the kid needs a break I think from that kind of thing doesn't he it's a wee step back it's um it's not. It's not a great situation for them. There's someone to step up because Spain. I mean, Spain. They're quite infuriating to watch even now. I mean, I think even back in the, the tiki taka days, they were they were kind of slow build up and then they they, they, they kind of um, spring into life. It was um, had to be very patient to watch them. But I think now they've got that without really the kind of the spark in, in a final final third. I mean, the, the Slovakia game. I think we can really dismiss and the goalkeeper chucked in a couple in that game as well, which really helped them out. Um, it yeah, does, doesn't it? Literally chopped them in. <laughs> not, <laughs> yeah. even, not even just a top of phrase. Um, so I, I think they're vulnerable. I think Spain, I think Croatia are a, a better side. Um, I think we, we got a glimpse of it against Scotland. I think Croatia, they, they kind of came to life. I think the first couple of games, I thought they were pretty low-key. And all that stuff about an ageing team and all that over the hill and they were, they were on their way out. But they kind of, against us, they looked like the Croatia side that we saw three years earlier in, 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 um, in Russia. And they've still got two or three really, really creative influencing players in there. I mean, Modric, 
35 years old, playing these slippers still, but it's still phenomenal. So I think I think Croatia have a, a, a big chance here. Yeah, going to be interesting. Right, let's get on to the other game then, France against Switzerland. And we've not got a great deal of time to, to preview this one, James, but in terms of what we've seen so far in the knockouts, the Netherlands have, have gone home with their tail between their legs. Italy limped through in extra time against Austria. We've not really seen one of the big sides put down a, a real marker. Of course, Belgium got through, but again, Portugal very close to sort of pegging them back. Is tonight going to be the moment when we actually see why France are the overwhelming favourites for the tournament? Possibly, yeah. Um, I think it's a really good matchup for them. I, I, I think Switzerland are kind of a nice team. I think you look at Switzerland. There's nice. There's lots of things to like about them, but they they don't really have that penetration. Um, they don't have players to really um, deliver moments of magic. I, mean, I know Shakiri does bits and bobs, but I think you know there's enough in the France team to keep him quiet. Um, I think I think I think France are gonna should should win this, and and I think we'll see their. I mean, they they did, in fairness to them, in the first game against Germany, they were, by and large, pretty good. Um, and I think they kind of then, then, then they almost dropped off a bit. But I think, uh, without getting into the nuts and bolts of it, I think there's just too much in this France team. And I think we will see a performance where people think, well, hang on a sec, yes, this, this is why they're being, you know, this is why they're pre-tournament favourites. Yeah, they missed a load of chances against Hungary as well, didn't they? So, I mean, we know they've got the pedigree there. Michael, Paul Pogba's been outstanding in this tournament so far. Imagine up against a midfield, including Granite Xhaka, and with N'Golo Kante alongside him, that he'll probably continue to star today. But Kylian Mbappe also yet to kind of get off the score sheet. This might be his time. And as we say, one of these overwhelming favourites to put in a real display in the knockout stages. Yeah, it's now, it's now business time for, for likes of France, isn't it? They've done the group stage, got through that without too much fuss. Now it's time to put the foot down. Uh, this is a game for them. I, I agree with you guys. I think this is a game that will suit them. They can put down a marker. You want to see someone like Mbappe really shine at this stage, don't you, as well? I mean, he's not got a goal yet. Um, it's coming. It will, it, will, it will happen, I think. He's, he's a phenomenal talent. I mean, unbelievable. So it's a matter of time before he doesn't get off the, off the mark, I think. But this could, be the, this could be the one. I think they'll be comfortable to get through this one and I think you're right Pogba I know people I know people get frustrated with Pogba with, uh, in England as well because maybe maybe the English game isn't quite his kind of thing I don't know maybe but international level he is he is different class isn't he he's been running the show um, and I think we'll, we'll put, on a, put on a show tonight that's for sure yeah, he's been unbelievable hasn't he James yeah yeah he's great I mean Michael says you know he, he, he's an enduring sort of sense of frustration for lots of Manchester United supporters but Stick and go to Kante against any alongside any midfielder, and he's going to get another ten percent out of him, um, which is one of his best attributes, really. And I think Pogba just he just he just the the, the, the being around. I mean, the players he's got ahead of him as well. I mean, if you're a midfield player and you've got Mbappe making runs, you've got Griezmann making runs, you've got uh, Benzema to kind of hit and stick Giroud to come off the bench as well. It's 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 all opening up for him. You know, he's got Pavard to his right as well. It's it's all there for options in terms of midfielder and, and and Kante makes him have to worry sort of slightly less about his defensive responsibilities. Ever so, I'm not I'm sure Dejan would like that be known, but just almost sort of subconsciously, Kante sort of covers for the maybe the worst aspects of, uh, of Pogba's game, and it just allows the best things to come out. Um, and and yeah, it, it's kind of it's just sort of like the perfect storm he's got at France in terms of the teammates he's got. It elevates him to the level that you know he, he's he's more than capable of, and it'll be it'll be great to see more of at Manchester United. 
Yeah, I just wonder how good Angola Kante could make me look. But anyway, I'll have to go back to, to fantasising over that one. That's it from us for today's edition of the Euro Digest from myself, Guy Clark, James Piercy and Michael Gannon. Thanks for your time and your company. It's bye for now. Hold up. 